The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Uh, Fathers, we get into your word right now. I pray um, that just your heart would come out. The people would see you, Lord, and know that you love them, or that you are their father. Whatever their background was, whatever they've been through, or whatever they've experienced, Father, if they didn't have a dad around, if they had a dad around, if they had a dad they wish wasn't around, Lord, whatever the case might be, Lord, I pray that you touch them in their heart, Lord, and tell them that you see them, that you care for them, that you love them. And I pray that every dad here, Lord, would leave encouraged, Lord, in their job and in their, their work that they do, representing you as a father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our message today is our father, and I'm calling this a, a, just a message of hope for biblical fatherhood. Uh, the reality is that fatherhood is not celebrated anymore. Fatherhood is uh, beat up, it's put down. In fact, just men in general, to be honest, are just beat up and put down. Uh, any type of, of manhood or, or any type of, of strength in men, it's just put down and beat up. Um, and uh, honestly, there's some good reasons for that. Some men didn't, didn't uh, take the responsibility and, and do good things with it. Um, but nevertheless, it is a situation that we find ourselves in. And yet God has a heart for men to live in a way that models his desire to be a father and the way that he wants fatherhood to be. And no matter how hard you try at it, uh, you can struggle. Moms can struggle at being moms, and believe me, dads can look tough, but dads can struggle at being dads. I need to be more specific when I pray. I said, Lord, that your heart would come out, right? You say that your heart would come out and that my heart would stay in. <laughs> um, so I can just do this. Uh, the first thing, I got a few things that I think model God's heart and his father heart and that I believe I see in some of the, the dads here. Uh, if you don't end up being uh, talked about today, that's not about you. It's just we can't have the sermon go all day. So I just picked a few. Uh, and I really see God's heart modeled there and also uh, just be inspired by that to say, man, I want to be like that. Uh, one of the things that God does as our father in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, is that he gives life. Um, this is something that he actually does. Um, he's actually a life giver. Uh, if you, who can guess who this guy is? Huh? I, I don't know who is it? Is he wearing cowboy boots or what? Uh, this is, this is face uh, Justin Kaczynski right here, uh, back before the facial hair, uh, back before the manliness. But God actually... As a father, this is an underrated achievement of fathers. They actually are a part of making you. Isn't that just crazy? They're actually a part of that. So literally, if they did nothing else for you, and some of you, that is your story. Like, my dad never did anything for me, ever. Well, he did one thing. Okay? So I understand. Maybe you don't like them. Maybe they weren't around. Maybe they didn't care for you. Maybe they didn't raise you. Maybe it was awful. But the fact that you're here is a testament to them in some form or fashion, and it's one thing that you can lock in on and say, you know what, I'm going to be thankful for that, and I'm going to appreciate my dad for that. 
just for that one thing that happened because I'm here and I'm sitting here experiencing the goodness of God in my life, which would not have been possible. Here, knowing and understanding, experiencing the goodness of God also would not be possible. And here you are. And God is a father like that. God gives life to us. The Bible says in Genesis 2-7, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and then the man became a living being. That God literally is the one who gives life. And so when you wake up in the morning and we think about our Father in heaven, and you think, oh, my life isn't as good as I want it to be. I don't have the job I wanted. I don't have the money I wanted. I don't have whatever it might be. You can say, Lord, you gave me life. Thank you for that. I appreciate you for that. And just give God gratitude, just starting at the very basics, and then we can go from there. But that is one thing that a father does. That's the one thing that our father in heaven does. And he wants us as fathers to always keep in mind because we have a way to, we can give life physically, but then we have a charge by God to give life all throughout and to speak some encouragement and to speak some a value and to speak some purpose and some identity and encourage and to try to find ways to build up those that we are a dad or a father to, which is what we spent time doing yesterday. But, but look around at your kids, whoever, whatever, if they're still in your home or out of your home, and think, how can I add some value to their life? How can I speak and encourage or spend time and do something that gives them life? Second thing that God does, he teaches passion. He teaches his passion. You can see this great photo up here, and if you notice this top one, uh, on the top left there, uh, that long-haired one is not Baby J, and that's Maverick. And you can see he's playing the guitar, and you can see where he's playing the guitar if you look close enough. That's a dad right there sharing passion. Like, I don't care where I'm at, I'm getting my guitar out, and I'm going to hang out and play. Dude is just sitting on the little toilet, playing a little song, and having a good time. But when you're a dad, you teach from your passion, and you start to try to put things into the life of your kids. That's why all these kids turn out different, because they have different dads with different passion. And they put those things into them. They put the joy. My dad was somebody who always was caring for people, and he was always trying to take somebody in or help somebody, and he would just stay the long course, the long journey with people. That was his passion. Like, I'm with that. We're committed. Whatever goes on in life, I'm going to try to be a part of that person's life and help them. And... I learned a passion for that from my dad. Not because he told me to do that, but because it was his passion and I could see it. Like these kids, they see Kyle pick up a guitar, right? They know that's my dad's passion. He doesn't have to say, well, dad's passionate about guitars. You need to have a guitar. He shows it because he lives it. And God lives certain things out. We see it in his word and how Jesus was and how he went about everything while he was here and he took care of people and he blessed people and the things that he spoke. And you can look in the Bible and you can see who our father loves and how he interacts with them. And we see his passion. And we say, you know what? I want to be like him. Well, as fathers, we do the same thing. We've got some great fathers in this church who have, have had great passion, and you can look around and see their kids, and sometimes if there's no dad around, you can just look at, at some kids in our church and go, oh, I know who your dad is. I know who your dad is, because he has the same terrible jokes. Like, I know. I know who your dad is, because, and you can just tell right away. And so when you see them, you know something about their dad, because the passion gets put on. John five nineteen says, Jesus gave them this answer. They're asking about seeing the father. He says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. 
Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Jesus is saying, you know what? I, I, look, I look to him, I learn from him, and then I try to live that out. This is what I do. And so we as fathers have the same ability, and we need to take that charge and that thing seriously. And it doesn't mean to be perfect, but try to do our best. And say, you know, I'm going to try to teach the things that I'm passionate about, and I'm going to try to be passionate about the right things. So that when I teach them, and when they see what I'm doing in my life, they're passionate about things that matter. That's our actions, but also they model character. Modeling character is to actually go into uh, the actual heart of perseverance, character. The Bible says we, we glory in tribulation. It produces perseverance, character, character, hope. And this is in John 14, 9. And he's not here because he's out of town. Uh, he works out of town for his family. Uh, but if you get around Matt Myers and his kids, you will see and that guy is developing some character. He's got those kids out. They're running like, they literally run like seven miles a day. <laughs> and now it's character and they love it. When they're sitting in a counseling office at 25, it's probably abuse and they'll talk about how their dad wrecked their life. But <laughs> right now, they love it. These kids are running Spartan races. In fact, that's where they are this weekend. That's where uh, mom and the kids were at. They were running a Spartan race in Dallas uh, through Dallas Stadium. They turned that into a Spartan course, and they're running through there doing that stuff. And dad's out working, and they go to these things. And there's, uh, if you go to their house, you walk in, and on the right wall, there's like literally, I don't know. Kyle's been, there was 100 medals. I don't know, like 100 medals. Like that, at least. Kyle's like, at least. There is... The whole thing is medals, kids' medals, mom and dad's medals. These guys are always running, and they're always doing stuff. And they're... But to do that, it's not just about translating passion. It's character, because that is hard to do. It is hard to go out and run these races and to climb under the barbed wire and to go over the, the walls and to sink under the mud and try to snorkel through the mud and get to the other side of things. The whole deal is just challenging. But that is some character, and that is just a, a perseverance that Matt has in his life, and he's, you know what, my kids are going to have perseverance. And do you know what's going to happen when they get older and they face some challenges and some difficulties? They're going to go, do you know what, perseverance. I can beat this. I can climb this mountain. I can go through this muddy slog. I can get through this. I can get over this wall. I don't have to sit down and cry and just say, oh, I'm not going to make it. I can have perseverance and character because he's living that out and putting it in. And so John 14, 9, again, this is Jesus, and he says, don't you know me, Philip? He says, even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? When you see the character of Jesus, who was willing to suffer, he's willing to be accused, he's willing to be abused, he's willing to go without a home, he's willing to do all these things in order to stay on mission of loving people, caring for people and helping people. He's doing all this stuff, and you look at him and say, you know what? Not just that he was good, not just that he didn't sin, it's that he was willing to do the right thing in the face of struggle and opposition and difficulty and to continue to get up every day and go, I'm going to do the right thing today. Well, people are trying to throw you off a cliff. Well, people are trying to, they're, they're, they're trying to come after you. People are upset with you. People don't like you. But he's getting up every day and he's going about the same mission. I'm getting up and I'm going to have perseverance. I'm going to have grit. I'm going to do this character. The devil tempted him in the wilderness and tried to get him to throw everything aside to go after his own gain and his own pleasure. And he said, no, I'm going to do the right thing that I'm sent here to do. He was modeling character. And so as he's modeled character, then we see that and go, that's what our father is like. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Well, our father in heaven has character, faithfulness, 
Well, why does that matter? Why does that matter to me? Don't you want a father who's faithful? Don't you want a father that has character? That when he says, I will provide for all your needs, that he will? That when he says, you know what, don't worry because I'm taking care of you, that you can trust it because he has good character? That when he says you'll never be alone, that he'll always love you, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, that you don't have to be concerned because you know what? He has character. He's always gonna be there for me. And so there's this whole piece of knowing that God has actual character, that he is dependable, that you can believe and rest your life on him, that he's a firm foundation that allows you to build your life and to not be concerned and worry. And we see that in Jesus We see that in Matt Meyer's life, and we see that in other fathers if you look around the church that God is working through. Philippians 4.19. We see that God is a father that sacrifices to provide. And there's one right there. Just turn around and look at Robert back there. April, I think, loves to see Robert on the spot for a second. Robert, stand up. Stand up. You're already on the spot. You might as well. Stand up. Robert, spin around in circle. Show everybody your, show everybody your awesomeness. Robert promised me I would never get him on the stage, and technically I have kind of got him on the stage. And we might have years to keep working on this, but I got you partway there. Robert sacrifices in order to take care of and provide for his family. Robert gives up a lot of time, a lot of energy, and his number one focus, if you ever talk to Rob, but you're not going to make it through a lunch without him talking about providing for his family. It is always on his mind. He talks about taking care of money, taking care of them, having enough to provide, a plan for the future, work that he's got to do. He's always thinking in terms of this, of how do I do this? How do I provide? How do I take care of? And so when you think about God, God has done that. This is in Philippians 4.19. It says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God's saying, I'm a provider, and I will take care of you with all my riches and glory. Now, some of you wish you had a dad that had a little more riches and glory. And you're like, well, my dad takes care of me, but he's doing according to his riches and glory. He doesn't have as much as my friend's dad. I wish that he did. My son's got friends who their dads are giving them like brand new, like 2022, 2020 trucks as soon as they turn 16. And I'm like, son, I bought a $500 car that was a stick shift and I couldn't drive it because I didn't know how to drive a stick when I was your age. And I'm gonna get you better than that, but I can't get you that, right? But we all have a father in heaven that provides for us according to his riches and glory, which means that if we need it, we will have it. If we want it, we should have it. Lord, give it to me. But we don't always get what we want. But we know that he will take care of us. And whoever your dad is, he's sitting here today and you say, man, I wish that I had more. I wish that I I had some things I don't have. Just know that guy's probably working hard and he probably wishes that he could give you a little more than he can too. Man, I wish my kid could have that, but I'm going to give them the best that they can. Sometimes I want to buy the Hebrew National hot dogs, the kosher ones that are just beef. And I end up walking out with the Bar S Franks (laughs) that nobody knows what they're made of. But I put them in the smoker, and eventually you can hardly tell. (laughs) Not bar S. Franks, they're B.S. Franks. There's no meat in them at all. They're total garbage, junk. 
But I wish I could. I wish I could just give a little better. When I was a kid, we used to go to Taco Bell when the burritos were 59 cents. And my dad, as we say in Texas now, bless his heart, used to buy us a burrito to share. That's a fact. Seven kids, landscaping dad, we'd go to Taco Bell and I'd look at the menu. Man, those menus were amazing. Enchiritos back then, Mexican pizzas, big old taco salad. You're looking all over and you're like, waiting to pick it out, waiting to pick it out. And we get up and he's like, I just ordered for you. I'm like, what'd I get? You're splitting a burrito with your brother. And he's bigger and stronger than you, and he works for me. He needs a little more food. So we're not splitting it 50-50. We're going to split this like 70-30. You'll get that piece. <sighs> Thankfully, it's at least when they used to make burritos where they actually had stuff all the way through. So my 30% actually had 30%. It wasn't just tortilla on the end. But my dad was working hard trying to provide. And whoever your dad is that's here, man, the guy's, he's working hard trying to do the best he can do. And so I'm sorry that you only have an Xbox 360 and not an Xbox X1324 Series 9. And I'm sorry that you only have a 42-inch screen to watch it on and not a 75. But he's trying. He's doing his best to care for you. And so there's ones that sacrifice and that do that, and they give the best that they can and provide. And you got some great dads in here that do that. Another thing they have to do in Matthew 3.17 is that they affirm your identity. Dads affirm who you are. Some of us more extremely than others. As you can see right here, one of our dads in the church has tattooed all of his kids on his arm. Samuel, Silas, Adelie. You see it right there. Donnie, you want to hold that up up there? Nobody can see it, but you can see around the corner. That's the real deal. And, and for what reason? Because when he's old, he doesn't want to forget his kid's name. <laughs> when he starts getting that age, he wants to, they come and visit, and he's like, oh, hey, Adelie. How are you? He loves you that much, Adelie. He wants to care for you. So he's got him tattooed on. But there's a, a identifying with you that this is my kid, that I care for you. Now, some of you would say, you know what? My dad wasn't like that. My dad never identified with me. My dad called me bad names, and he treated me like trash, and he gave me a bad identity. He did all these things. And you know what? I'm sorry for that. You know what? God is, is not happy with that. That's why he came, and he gave his own son. And he died to take care of these things, to take care of sin, to make a way for you to connect to him as a father and to love you and to care for you. And we can't change what maybe your earthly father did, but we can say that, man, God loves you and God wants to be your father and to be there for you and he wants to care about you. And if you're a dad here, you know, that's one of our roles is to try as best as we can to let our kids know, hey, you know what? I love you. I care for you. You have an identity. You talk to Donnie and you talk to any of his kids, right? They're Snalems. Where's Nalem's? Where's Nalem? You know what? Silas over here wins at a contest. And you know what? Say, man, great job. And you know what the, the reply is? It's not, yeah, I'm thankful, or yeah, worried about it. Do you know what it is? But, of course we won. Where's Nalem's? <laughs> like, that's literally, that's what he says, like, every time. Yeah, well, I'm a Snalem, right? Well, where did that come from? Because his dad's been telling him since he's a little tiny kid, whenever they're doing something, he's like, well, son, you're a Snalem. Snalem's win. Good thing you can win, because that would be a really hard life if you always lost. <laughs> he's always going around saying, am I a Snalem? Am I a Snalem? I must have been adopted. I don't know if I'm a Snalem or not. I don't know what's going on. But th that's the heart. And it starts to breed some confidence. It breeds some excitement. You know, all of our kids are like ridiculously always on the hustle. Trying to make money. We were entrepreneurs for 20 years. 
So I was talking to Cammie yesterday, and we were talking, the snails were actually at our house, we were talking to them, and she comes out for like 15, 20 minutes, she's just bump, she's jumping up and down, talking about, literally jumping up and down, talking about how excited she is, because she's able to work her brother for a little bit of money, or work, sorry, oh, you guys are by each other, Jackson, plug your ears. She's able to do a little hustle, get some money, and she's growing her accounts, and she's doing stuff, and she's trying to save up, she wants to buy a house, or do this, or do that, and she's just getting on the hustle, well, why, because that's part of her identity, Part of our identity is to work hard and to try to get some money and to be able to do some things with it in order to make a better life and then to be a blessing to other people. Why? Because that's the identity that we've just been putting in. We all have identity. God puts identity in us. If you want to know what that is, get in and say, man, my father never gave me an identity. What is my identity? Get in the word and read about God. Read about Jesus. And you'll say, oh, do you know what? This is, supposed, this is my identity. Like, wow, I'm an overcomer. The Bible says I'm, I'm more than a conqueror. My identity is that I always win. Like in the end, he wins. My father wins, so I'm a winner. Do you know what? He's wealthy. I'm not poor. I, I actually am wealthy. I'm wealthy in spirit. I'm wealthy in mind. I have all that I need. Why? Because my father has everything. I come from, a good, I come from good stock. And we can get our identity from him as we press into the word and we learn who he is, Matthew three seventeen, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. When Jesus came in to get baptized, literally, father spoke from heaven and said, this is my son. Like, I'm pleased with him. It's like, it's like there was a separation, like God's in heaven, he sends him, he comes down as Jesus, he sends him down, he's down here, and he's up here, he's totally separated, but when they go to baptize him, he's so proud. He's so excited about the moment that it's like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. He's doing this. He's doing it on his own. He's there. Don't say, don't say, boom, break open the heavens. Like, that's my son. And him, I'm well pleased. Close it back up. Oops. That was my outside voice. My outside voice. I just like rattled the whole earth. I did a little earthquake down there. People are freaking out. Should have watched out. Literally just spoke from heaven. Just boom. That's my son. Love him. And so that's how our father is. Well, that's an example that that's what he thinks about with us as we become children of God. That's my daughter right there. That's the one. That one, that's her. I don't, maybe your dad wasn't that way with you, but he is. That's how he thinks about you. That's how he cares about you. That's how he wants to be involved with you. That's who he is. Dads enjoy their kids. John 1, 14. Christopher Summers was here Yesterday, hanging out with kids, blessing them, teaching them how to shoot and do some things. And there's pictures up here with each of his kids. Man, you can't find, you can search all online everywhere. You can't find a, kid, a picture of him with his kids where he's not beaming with a huge smile. And not the kind you do for pictures, where like your lips are smiling, but your eyes aren't. Like, he's so joyful. You see him in person. Anytime one of his kids walks up and he goes to stand by his kids, man, he starts beaming. He's excited. Well, God enjoys us. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Well, what does that have to do with him enjoying us? God loves us so much, the Bible says, that he literally came down into our messy world to be with us. Why? Well, that's because we're sinners and he had to come save us. No, it doesn't say we were such a mess and such sinners that God came down to try to rescue us. It says that he so loved us. He had a desire and a passion to be with us, to be with his kids, that he went and got into the mess. He's like, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to go be with them. And then he saved and rescued us 
But he came down because he loves us. He came down because he wants to be with us. He actually enjoys being with us. He actually wants to spend time with you in prayer. He actually wants you to talk to him when you're at your job. He actually wants you to think about him and to speak about him and to just be present in your life. He enjoys it. He enjoys you. He disciplines us for our good. Hebrews 12, 6. Josh Jensen. You can see up here the chainsaw. He's using the kind of chainsaw I would never use because it has an electrical cord (laughs) hanging off it, which to me is danger, danger. If you take the wrong turn, you can cut that off. But this is Josh cutting stuff down in his family. Discipline. You know what? If you want these bushes to come out looking good, guess what you got to do? You got to cut them a little bit. You got to keep them under control. You got to do a little bit of like, okay, that's too far. That's not all right. I got to just do a little chop back. I got to do this move a little bit over here. Like, and if you were a bush, I mean, us as people were like, that's fine. Yeah, chop it. Imagine if you were a bush. You're just sitting there growing, getting bigger, stronger. You're starting to bloom. You're more beautiful. You're becoming amazed with yourself. And all of a sudden, somebody comes out, starts cutting stuff. Right? Any kids ever felt that way? Any teenagers ever felt that way? Huh? Look, I'm starting to bloom. I'm me. Look how awesome I am. And then a parent, a dad's got to come in and say, hey, you can't do that. Stop. Pull back. It's like, hey, you're cutting off my bloom. Sometimes there's got to be some discipline and some structure to try to say, hey, you're going to grow. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. But we got we to gotta cut some stuff. And it doesn't feel good. And it's not always fun to do. Like sitting out here with your thing and your saw and trying to cut, it's not fun to do. You'd much rather be inside hanging out. You'd much rather be somewhere else. But you got to go do it. All right, I got to go, go do this. I got to go do some maintenance. And so a good father disciplines for good because he cares about you and he wants you to turn out well. He wants to help you in order to move forward. Hebrews 12, 6. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My sons, do not take lightly the discipline of the Lord and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. For the Lord disciplines, check this out, the one that he loves and he chastises every son he receives. God brings discipline into our life as our father Sometimes we're going through a hard thing and we're praying, Lord, just take it off, take it off. Lord, help me. And he's like, I'm not helping you right now because this is meant to teach you something. Like, I need to put this on you. Like, I need you to go through this because it's teaching you something that you need for your own life. I'm trying to help you. You're you're going the wrong path, so I'm putting this in the way and I'm disciplining you so I can get you on the right path because I care about you. One of my cousins that lived with me when I was a kid, he's wild, just wild. And would listen to nobody, couldn't stay with his mom anymore, and just totally wild. And at one point, he was stealing from, you know, he'd even living at our house, he was stealing from my parents and breaking into their stuff and taking their money and just super wild about everything. And one day, he actually told me that he loved our house, even though he didn't, he always fought everything there, he loved our house because somebody had rules, and they actually cared if he came home. At his house, he could leave, and it didn't matter if he wasn't home for days. Nobody even cared. They didn't check on him. They didn't want to know where he was at. It's like, they didn't care. That's less groceries, right? Less to worry about. At our house, they want to know, where are you at? Why aren't you here? You're about to be in trouble for not being home, right? There was discipline. There was trouble, and he's like, hated it on the outside and fought against it on the outside, but inside... 
He's like, this is the only place where people even care that I'm here. And so something inside of his heart was loving the discipline while something inside of his like, just nature and desire was fighting it. But discipline shows that we're loved. It shows that, we're, that we are cared for by our Father. And so you may be going through something that's actually showing God's love. And we have fathers here that are sometimes, you've had a discipline, you're like, man, this isn't really what I want to do. But you've done it because you loved. And God has the same heart. Romans 8.31, Fred Schmitz, one of the little guys at our church, uh, who was here yesterday to do, to do some gun safety and stuff with kids, but uh, great big guy, and you've seen this picture. I think his son, I think it's the same, actually, same age. Um, I think this one, he's just standing next to Fred because Fred's huge, um, but same age. Uh, but no, this is when he goes, so this is his son, Freddie. But since he's a little kid, man, his dad's like, you know, I'm investing my time and my energy into helping you get into football and helping you play. If you've ever had a kid in sports, man, I'll tell you what, it's an investment. They show up, not just money, it's a lot of, it's actually money investment too. The time and energy to show up, to be there. If you've had a kid doing something in academics, if you've had a kid doing something, no matter what it is, if they get a job and they're not driving yet, right? Like they want to get a job and they want to work. Well, that's an investment on my end because you got a job means I got a job. But now I got to drive it, I got to spend the gas, I got to stay up till 11 o'clock when you get off and then come back out. Like, dads are investing all the time into the, the success and the future of their kids and saying, hey, I want to help you. And sometimes those things go unnoticed, but God notices. And it's his heart for us. Romans 8, 31, it says, what then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so you have a dad who, man, he's putting all this investment in your life. He's showing up. He's taking you to the game, or he's showing up and picking you up from work, or he's showing up, and in whatever way that he has the ability to do, he's trying to invest in your future, invest in who you are, invest in your growth. Why? Because he's for you. And our Father in heaven is for us. And we know that whatever God's given us to do, that he's going to walk alongside us and help us to walk through that. He challenges us. Isaiah 30, 21. Brandon's right here. This is his son. Walk him through the tunnel. What do you think that conversation is that's going on right there? Challenging him. Trying to help him build his life up. Talk to Brandon lots of times, man. He's like, yeah, love and challenge. It's his kid to be his best, right? Bring the best out of him. You know, it's a lot easier not to do that. It's so much easier to just check out. And a lot of dads do that. They just check out. Go to work, come home and just watch the tube, go to bed, they didn't do anything else, they just check out. It takes some effort and some work to actually say, do you know what, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to spend time, I'm going to invest, I'm going to have the conversations, I'm going to put some challenge, I'm going to say, hey, you're doing a good, but I'm going to help you this way. But God does the same thing in us. It says in Isaiah 30, 21, the Lord will give you the bread of adversity, the water of affliction, but your teacher will no longer hide himself. God, our teacher, the one that works with us. Because with your own eyes you will see him, and whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way, walk in it. So when all these things are going on in life, that our Father in heaven is actually going to come alongside us, and he's going to challenge us, hey, this isn't the way, this is the way, come walk in it. And the implication in this verse, because he's coming down and talking, and you can hear his voice, which means he's there, and he's not saying, that is the way, which would mean over there somewhere, like I'm here, oh, that's the way. No, he's saying, this is the way, which implies this, like I'm going here, this is the way. 
In other words, we're going to go together. He's investing himself in going with us, with you. When God's calling you a direction and a way in your life, he's committed to go with you, to be with you, to have a spirit with you. And you're not going to have to go alone or do it alone. And that's the same thing here is that God, as he does that, we as fathers need to be willing to not just say this, this is the way or that's the way, but this is the way and I'll do it with you. I'm going to try to walk this out with you. I'm going to try to be with you. I'm going to try to encourage you. Brandon does a great job of that. We've got other fathers that do a great job of that. Investing the time. The last one is that he loves us. Like he just genuinely loves us. Not just enjoys us, but he actually just genuinely loves us. Cares about us. Likes to, wants to hold love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It believes the best. It bears each other's burdens. He just loves John Clay's a great loving teddy bear dad guy. Pick his kids up and hold them and just be with them. Guy's up doing like stretches in the morning with his kids at 5 a.m. Again, probably a counseling session when they're 25, but for now, enjoyable. Right? He's always talking about doing this with my kids. Man, I love him. He's just, he loves them. He has a deep heart for his kids. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Talking about our Heavenly Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives. We all have the same Father. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, inside of us, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Now check out what the power's for. The power could be for anything. Power to overcome the enemy, power to heal the sick, power to break down bondages, power to set captives free, power to, to fill in the blank. Here's what the power's for. That you may have the power with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp, just the power to even grasp and hold on to and to even understand for a minute. Because it takes power. It's that amazing. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Like we actually need God's power just to be able to understand or grasp or hold on to how incredible and amazing our Father's love for us really is. Just to be able to get a hold of it. God has to help us to see it or understand it. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And we're going to close together. We said every week we're going to start doing some prayer together. And so we're going to close in prayer. But you don't have to gather with anybody this time. I'm going to put this prayer up on the screen. And this is just an opportunity to pray together as Jesus taught. They said, teach us how to pray. How do we pray? And Jesus' answer to us is simple because we've heard it so many times, most of us. We see it on TV. We see it on all kinds of movies, non-Christian shows, everything. It's just kind of like a traditional prayer. You don't even have to know God or love God to even know what it is or to say it. It's almost like a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holidays. It's just something people say. But in his time, it was a revolutionary thought. In his time, God was so other and separated from us that you didn't even say his name out loud. It was wrong to even do that. And here, he says, this is how you pray. And he talks about his father. He talks about his Abba. 
He's talking about a father that cares for and loves and wants to be a part of the life of his children. And it was a whole new way to see God, our creator. And so let's stand together. We're gonna read this through as a prayer together and then we're gonna dismiss. And I encourage you as you leave, man, whoever your dad is, find a reason to be grateful but thankful and just let them know today hey thank you if they're still around and still available if they're not be thankful to God be thankful to our Father in Heaven but let's do this together we count three ready one two three our Father this then is oh I just, hold on start over rewind that's the title Ready? One, two, three. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, I pray that this prayer that you taught Lord, would be how we understand you, Lord. As one whose name is special, Lord, as one who has a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy that you have made for us as your children. Lord, that we would be trusting and able, Lord, to follow your will and trust you on the path that you've given us. Lord, that we could trust you for provision because you do want to give us our daily bread. Lord, that we can trust you to forgive others because you have justice in your own hands. Lord, that we can receive your forgiveness and truly accept it. Father, that we would be able to say no to temptation because we have something better. We have relationship with you. And Father, we thank you that you have delivered us, that you are delivering us and will continue to deliver us, Father, from every evil that would come against us. Lord, we thank you for being our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.